first of all, I studied abroad. I went to the United States to study. I was planning to go to a university in the UK and uh, I used to play soccer. A couple of big universities in the US came to watch uh, a friend of mine who was playing and he had a terrible game and I happened to score three goals in that game. And out of the blue, a few weeks few weeks later, I got a letter and uh, I got a full scholarship and, and I went to this university in the United States. So international education is, has been in my, in my blood. This is episode three of season two of our podcast for international educators. We have a fantastic guest lined up for you today, Girish. I'm excited. I had obviously a really good time at the AIE conference where I was live for our second episode. And I'm really looking forward to hearing all about what Samir has to say today, especially given the exciting news from yesterday. I know, wasn't that, I mean, this is serendipitous. We didn't plan it this way. Pure, happy, coincidental accident. But we've got Samir Zaveri from BMI Global as our guest coming up here in a minute. Accidents is what all international education is all about, right? So I'm really excited, so let's get started. (laughs) Our guest today on Destiny Benders is Samir Zaveri the president and CEO of BMI Global. Samir, thank you so much for being a guest on Destiny Vendors. It's it's a pleasure. I've heard so much about your podcast and uh, certainly uh, being on the same program as as Francis Ramalaysia, who you had last week, is a a great honor. Yeah, Samir, good to see you again. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Let's get straight to it. Exciting news coming out yesterday, the elephant in the room. Tell us about the THE acquiring BMI. How did it come about? And let's go from there. You know, we, we've been approached many times over the years. Um, I've never, ever been interested in, in, in selling the company or, or being acquired or anything like that, um, either just because I haven't been interested or, or I've not liked the organization or the, the people that have come to talk to us. And, uh, you know, uh, we have a very close-knit team. We're 35 years old this year. Um, the only company older than us in, in, in the sector, as far as I'm aware, is, is THE. Um, and uh, THE is, a, is, is an organization I've known and respected ever since I was uh, looking for my first course in, in university because I, in the UK, it's, it's a normal thing to use the, t- the Times Higher Education um, site to look for university rankings. And when I told my son a couple of days ago, that we're being acquired by THE he said, oh, I use them as well. So, you know, it's it's um, an organization that I have great respect for. We obviously are in the events business. I've always thought that we put on the absolute best events in, in the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, during the course of the pandemic, uh, we didn't, like everybody else. Uh, people, you need two things to go to events. You need people to visit and you need people to travel there. Neither was possible, especially for the international education community and all our clients. So um, we then pivoted to um, doing virtual fairs. And, um, you know, unlike a lot of people who just started started them the next day, we took our time, we found the right platform, which was a, a platform that was previously used by Fortune 500 companies. It wasn't something that had been started on a whim. And uh, um, KPMG and a lot of people used that platform for um, recruiting graduate students and interns and so on. 
And we signed an agreement with that company to adapt that platform to exactly how we wanted to, to run virtual fairs. And I think that we ran fantastic virtual fairs. And when um, THE uh, will launch THE Student, which was just before the pandemic, which was one of their consumer divisions, uh, facing student-facing divisions, um, you know, we contact them to see if they'd be interested in working because we're very strong, as everyone knows, in Latin America, in the Middle East and in, in Vietnam, but we didn't have uh, a lot of reach in Africa and in India and in some other places. And um, a lot of our, our clients wanted to reach those particular markets. So um, I reached out to Phil Beatty, um, who is one of the senior contacts at, at THE that I've known for many years and said, look, would you be interested in collaborating? And uh, along with our series of virtual events that we have around the world, we decided to have um, THE virtual student fairs in uh, India and in Africa, um, and also one in Asia. And uh, that went very, very well. And, um, you know, we got to know the people at that time, you know, we kept in touch, but nothing more than that. And then, you know, a lot of people during the pandemic, and even afterwards thought, you know, in-person recruitment is not coming back. And we always thought that it would, we kept our entire team, it was very important for me to keep our entire team, because many people have been with us for uh, 10, 15 years. We've got people that have left and come back after 19 years and come back after 10 years. Um, you know, I'm very fortunate to work with the other directors who you know, are among my best friends and my brother. And so, um, you know, we kept the whole team together. So when the pandemic ended, we were able to, to get straight back onto it. And we were the first company to do uh, events again. They were very well rated and, and people saw the feedback, including all the, the clients of THE that have been our virtual events. And so, you know, I think that caught their interest when they then started talking with us again in April. You know, the more we got to know them, the more we got to talk with them, we saw that they shared the same values, vision. We really liked the people that we were talking with and we could see that it was an absolutely great fit. You know, I think it was a case of the right company at the right time. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, first of all, congratulations. It's it's a major accomplishment to you and your whole team. Um, what changes? Does anything change moving forward to BMI, to you, your role, what you do, what your vision has been? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, BMI will continue exactly as it is. I'm the CEO. I'm now reporting to uh, THE, but everybody else within our, our company is carries on exactly as normal. Uh, a prominent part of, uh, of the deal was that that um, we remain uh, a separate company uh, um, within the THE group, and that you know our our team is is completely protected. And for them, it it was also very important because they recognised uh, and like I do that that you know they wanted to buy the absolute best company, and so I think you know they could have bought anyone. But they they bought us because they really believe in us, and so there's no reason for them to change. And and you know they've uh, bought to invest and grow the company, not not to go the other way. We have a full schedule of events planned this year, um, which unbelievably are all sold out for the second half of the year, even though we're already in only in in September, um, and a full schedule of an expanded events next year. And they're with their help, um, we'll be able to do some more events. But uh, also, they 
bring a lot of power. You know, their website, you've got over 50 million people organically going to that website to search for uh, courses. Lots of other um, companies are partnered with them. You know, those people are going there. And just even separate to that, 20 million people between our Viva Mundo platform and the, and the THE student platform, we will be able to use all those students searching for the website and in their databases to market our fairs, which will you know, which are already fantastic, they're already packed, but we'll be able to improve certainly both the quantity and quality of visitors for our high school workshops, which we have regional high school workshops in Vietnam, in Dubai, Colombia, Brazil, and a, and a global high school workshop in, in London next year, where we're flying in counselors from all over the world. Um, we'll be able to provide expert content curated by THE. Um, so they will have amazing personal development sessions. And for our global scholarship summits, you know, they run amazing academic summits, which they're famous for. They do the, which is all around the, the rank, world university rankings, the impact rankings. And so we will be able to have even higher level people attending our scholarship summits from governments and ministries around the world. So it's um, on every level, they'll be able to help us and it ticks that box. And where we think it will be helpful for us to use the THE name and branding, we will. Obviously, these are co things that will be taken care of, but it will primarily be BMI. It will still be BMI NAFSA. And those that are worried, there'll still be the BMI Brazil party at NAFSA. Um, so yeah, but there won't be any change. Um, we'll be here for at least two years and I think much longer. That's wonderful. That's all I wanted Thank to know if the Brazil party was happening. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad you brought that up because that was going to be a question of mine as well. But thank you for sharing that because I think that many of our listeners, having just heard the news come out yesterday, they'll hear this episode in a week's time, but it'll still be fresh on everybody's minds. We've now delved a little bit deeper into that acquisition, but I would like to go in a time machine back to 1987, 35 years ago, and I want you to tell us a little bit about how, why, what gave you the idea to start BMI Global? How did it come about? Talk to us about your foray into international education. How did you first start this journey? And maybe you could end with... <laughs> <laughs> the Brazil party and how did that happen and you know the Brazil party is all about that's NAFSA everybody said there you go where did that come from I'm really curious to hear to hear the story um well I mean international education uh well first of all I studied abroad I went to the United States to study I was planning to go to the to a university in the UK and uh, I used to play soccer um and uh, captain of, of Middlesex schools and uh, they came to watch a couple, a couple of big universities in the US came to watch uh, a friend of mine who was playing and he had a terrible game and I happened to score three goals in that game and out of the blue a few weeks few weeks later I got a letter uh, absolutely no idea because I'd already planned to to go to university in the UK and uh, I got a full scholarship and and I went to this university in the United States uh, you know I wasn't even sure where exactly it was but yeah obviously I looked it up but it was Clemson in South Carolina you know I went there didn't understand any of the accents for a while took some time getting used to it. but uh, it was an exciting time and you know I went to the first training session and there were TV cameras and I realized they were the number one team in the country um, and uh, we won the NCAA division one championship I then got 
injured and they wanted me to redshirt, which would have meant staying longer. And I, I was sort of planning to come back in three years. I was doing 24 credits as opposed to 18. So I decided to come back to UK. And then while I was in the UK, I got contacted by lots of other universities. So I went to visit UCLA and Case Western and all sorts of others and ended up going to Loyola Chicago. Um, and a team that I that we'd beaten 9-0 when we were at Clemson, Notre Dame, uh, next uh, two years later recognized who I was and I got a real beating from them when I was at, at, at Loyola where we got smashed. Uh, but uh, yeah, so international education is, has been in my, in my blood. But how I got started is when I came back, I was working with a company where uh, I was selling advertising in magazines and then we were doing yearbooks so people who are, who've been in the in the industry a long time might remember the european education yearbook and the arab education yearbook and and the asian education yearbook, which was published by by dominion press back then um uh, i was selling advertising for them universities used to advertise and then me and uh spencer hawks who has returned to to bmi about five years ago after 19 years we're, we're doing that and we used to go around to different fairs around the world the coex fair in korea expo lingua fairs which at that time there was also expo long in paris and all sorts of fairs to promote that book and get response for our clients and alongside were all these other different institutions from around the world just like there are today at our fairs really these fairs were absolutely awful we would be spending very a lot of money like a lot of universities do and you'd arrive at fairs and there'd be no visitors or there'd be hordes of children's asking for pins and pens and all sorts of stuff or there would be in such bad locations uh, just terribly organized they sort of didn't care because they you know people had no other alternative and so one day you know i i just said well i can do much better than this i can put on a a, a great event with you know where people will actually get results and so i went to all those other exhibitors that were right next to me exhibiting with me for the last couple of years going on the same circuit and saying you know I'm thinking of putting on a fair and, you know, would you support? And I said, well, yeah, we'll support you. We'll give you one chance, but if not, we'll move on. And so we began, I started with the objective of doing the best education fair I could, and it went really well. And then we started doing some more. In 91, we uh, did our first series, which was Madrid, Milan and Munich, which was a, a challenge. It was a, a, we had one company from the UK that drove all the exhibition equipment to each city, packed up, did, went to the next city. And one year didn't work out so well because between Milan and uh, Madrid, they got stuck in the Alps. So we got there for the fair and there was nobody there. So we just had to do it with tables instead of uh, our stands. But, you know, everyone loved the events. Uh, that was 91. In 94, we started in, in Brazil, in 98 in Colombia, Mexico. Um, and we really, for many, many years, got known to be the, the company for Latin America. And, and that's where the Brazil connection come in. You know, I've always loved football. Brazil was always my dream to go to as a, as a child and, and to go to the Maracanã Stadium and, and, and all that. So... When I went there, I felt really at home, and um, eventually, in in I'm, I met my ex-wife. My daughter was born there, uh, my home there, and um, people just seemed to know us as a Brazilian company, even though we were still a UK company. But yeah, so we started doing events across Latin America, um, Colombia, Venezuela, Mexico, Ecuador, everywhere. We we certainly grew that, but in in around two thousand and 
15, we had so many of our clients saying, you know, why don't you do fairs here? And why don't you do fairs there? There's no good fairs in this region. There's no good fairs over here. So we took the decision to start fairs in Dubai and in, in Vietnam. You know, it took a, a couple of years till they were really established because there were other local fairs there. But they're now the number one fairs in, in those markets. And now we have fairs all, all across the world. And part of the, the thing is that, you know, it's we don't only do fairs. We do fairs, we do workshops. I think we're the, one of the few companies that that uh, we like to say have a multi, we reach almost every major touch point of international recruitment. So if you want to meet students and parents, you can meet them at our fairs. If you want to meet high school counselors, we fly in, you know, 40 to 60 or, or host 40 to 60 high school counselors from a particular country. So you don't have to spend weeks traveling around and trying to make appointments. You can uh, rather like I said with agents, we do high school workshops and, and um, we have those. And if you want to meet the high level people, the scholarships, the heads of the scholarship organization, you can meet them. And we do everything in a series. So everyone can accomplish all of these things in each region in, in 10 days. So yeah, that's the sort of uh, history of where where we are today where we got to the pandemic and where we are you know today now part of the wonderful what an incredible journey samir um but quick question what does bmi stand for um well it stands for it started off as business marketing international limited that was the name that i created at the time the the inside joke within bmi is brainless mindless idiots um <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know um we're very proud of of the of the company of all our team i think that we have the best team in the industry i'm sure every every company says that but uh, i certainly believe that our team you know go above and beyond not only putting on our events but for our clients and i think that's why we have such a high repeat rate and we have people coming back year after year and i think also why we were chosen uh, by the and we chose the to, to to join them um, you've certainly made a, a name for yourself in the industry. Like, I mean, everybody talks about the Brazil party. Everybody knows BMI. But I want to go back a little bit further beyond 87, right? You said you're a soccer player or a football player, so, sorry, uh, back in high school. When you're growing up, were you, what were you thinking you wanted to be? Were you studying to be something? Like, did you have something in mind? You know, maybe that background. But then, you know, as a podcast, we're talking about destiny benders. In your role over the years, all the work that you've done, Done. I'm sure you've given some incredible opportunities for students and families to pursue because of the work you've done. But who has bent your destiny? Are there people that you think back, uh, whether it's in the last five years or 40 years, to say, man, that person really changed my life? Uh, I think that, that um, when I was growing up, I, to be honest, I, uh, I don't think I really knew what I wanted to do until I um, you know, I think I wanted to be a football player. I used to play. I used to, to skip school to go and play football, and I, my grades weren't the best. And uh, you know, even when I um, ended up going to the US, I think that uh, I wouldn't have. I, I wouldn't have considered myself such a great soccer player. I was good at that time by American standards, but certainly not by UK standards. Everyone I played with at that time were all. Uh, from overseas in at Clemson, they were all on the Nigerian national team, and because the Nigerian national team was amateurs, they played in the World Cup. But certainly afterwards, I, I, I came back and, and immediately got a regular job. I didn't, you know, I could have I went to Chicago Sting for a, a year, but I didn't really like 
there and I didn't think it was it was going to be anything great so came back and got a regular job selling advertising space uh, so I don't think I had any great idea then I think you know as as you progress the people that have really shaped I think my destiny are some of my my partners today um, I certainly uh, have a great mentor in Keith who's at guard me uh, one of being my global partner, someone I've known for a long time, amazing person. He also really takes care of his, his team and does a lot of charitable work. Rupert Merrick, who I work with, Spencer, who I, who I started out in this in this industry with, and and my brother who also works with me. So and and Philippe, who uh, is based in Colombia. So really, um, I think there's not a CEO relationship with a lot of these people you know uh, everyone makes their own decisions and, and to some extent and and we usually get it right but uh, we all stand by each other when we do things I think that those people have really um, influenced me it's mainly been the people around myself I was looking through uh, LinkedIn yesterday and reading your post uh, announcing the THE and BMI partnership and you mentioned about your 35 years with BMI and the ups and downs and the trials and tribulations. And you kind of had a, a, a mini list of different things that you guys, challenges that you've overcome. And Pablo Escobar, I just noticed that name was in, in there as one of those things. Can you tell me a little bit? I'd like to hear about that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you organize events, um, you really have to prepare for every, everything. And, 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 and a case in point is, is the amazing job that Amy and Claire and the Pi team did last week putting on the Pioneer Awards. You know, they, they, have, they work so hard and, and spend so long getting that together at the Guild Hall in London. And the day before the Queen died and they were not able to use the venue because it had royal links and they had overnight to move the event uh, to another venue. And if you had been at that event, and if you hadn't known that they moved it overnight, you would never have known. And that's an incredible achievement. So you really have to be ready for anything. And, and, and like that, we've had lots and lots of things happen over the years. We had a fair once on the campus in Curitiba in, in Brazil. Uh, there's very rarely tornadoes in Brazil, but there happened to be a tornado that day. It started raining very heavily. And all of a sudden, there was it, it all went very uh, dark outside. It started raining very heavily. Suddenly, uh, a hole opened up in the roof, and uh, we, me and Spencer, who was there at the time, just decided, well, let's suspend the fair and move everyone over to the left-hand side because it's looking very dangerous. And um, all of a sudden, as the roof came down, it created a wind tunnel, and this tornado literally went down, and all the stands concertinaed on each other and, and completely collapsed. And it was lucky we moved them to the left and not to the right, because otherwise everyone would have been among them. And it was bizarre in the next morning to hear about it on the news and, and read the paper, and only two buildings in the whole uh, city of Curitiba been hit our building and the roof of the architecture building in of the university so that was that was one example we had the big earthquake in chile when we were about to do a fair in santiago um, we had a national strike once in spain where literally you know there wasn't we couldn't get to, to the venue neither could the the students or anybody else with no taxis buses or anything so we've had all sorts of things happen but um when we were in colombia we used to do um a fair in the same place for many, many years called the Tamanaco Intercontinental Hotel. It was 
the the place to do the fair. And in one year, we were we were there, um, and they said, "No, we can't renew your contract for the for the next uh, series." And we're like, "Why not?" And so we're we're doing refurbishment, and we said, "Okay, fine." So we found another venue. Afterwards, we we could we outgrew that place, and we just carried on. And then I think it was about during the pandemic. Uh, two years ago, I was watching Narcos. It showed that the Pablo Escobar family had been put under house arrest and moved to that hotel. Um, and I called up Philippe and I said, what year was that? And he said, oh, it was this one. And then I said, but two and two together. And basically they weren't refurbishing. They moved us out so that the Pablo Escobar family could be in that hotel. And that was the reason that we were not able to hold the venue on there. But I didn't realize until I watched it on Narcos just a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> um, so that was the coincidence of Pablo Escobar. But, yeah, but we've had lots and lots of uh, um, things happen around events all over the world. Yeah, well, you know, any road warrior can tell you that, right? Planes, trains, automobiles, weather, rain, floods, you know, you yeah. have to brace them and you just got to keep going. So exactly. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah, well, kudos to you for, uh, you know, facilitating uh, all of those events in spite of all of those challenges that you that you face. So where to next? What does BMI do next? I'm curious now that you've accomplished all these things, you've kind of put near uh, foundation in many parts of the world. Now you have the the T H E acquisition. Where do you go next, personally, and for BMI? Uh, unfortunately, during the pandemic last March, um, in in March 2020, my daughter passed away. She was 13. Before she did, she we used to go and uh, where we lived in Salvador in Brazil, we used to go to orphanages and help a lot of kids there. She loved children, loved helping people. So I've started a foundation in uh, Arana and. Um, we support a number of orphanages uh, there in Salvador Bahia. It's about a, it's 140 people at that orphanage. During the pandemic, um, we were one of eight companies partially supporting the orphanage there. But what happened during the pandemic is that the other companies all started buying, as, as was everywhere in the world, helping to buy PPE equipment and all this other stuff to help doctors and buy meds and so on. So they didn't get anyone to help. And on top of that, Nobody, all the normal volunteers that used to go in were not allowed to go in in case they gave the infection to the kids or if they didn't want to go there because they didn't want to catch it. So we ended up being the only company supporting them and we were going in and, and helping them. And when I mean we, meaning people from BMI, we, we continue to support um, two orphanages there. The other thing is that we um, have a program where we are supporting future doctors. So in Brazil, like in many countries, uh, getting into a medical school is incredibly competitive um, and very difficult. And in Brazil, they have a quota system at the medical schools for the poorest students so you know that they can get a chance. And these are absolutely brilliant students who have managed to get into medical school through the quota system. Um, but they have something like an 80% dropout rate um, because you know, they can't afford the bus to the school. You know, they've got into school and it's free. Education is free at the federal level in, 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 in Brazil, but they can't afford the bus fare. They may not be able to afford the books. They can't afford to eat lunch. Um, you know, uh, someone in their family is sick and they say, you have to leave and come and help the family. And we're talking about people that are earning maybe um, $200 a month. Uh, for the whole family. So incredibly poor student. You know, one student we knew was walking five miles in each direction to, to get to the 
classes. So we've been supporting initially five students at one university and now another 10 at a university that is about a mile from where she was born, a federal university in Bahia. So we're supporting 15 students. And um, while we've been supporting them, not a single one has dropped out. And part of our support is that they also have to do a, a program um, in the community to help in the community, which is um, supervised by someone from the university. So um, we're very passionate about that. Every penny that's that's raised goes to that. And, and it's all done by PM, BMI team members. When they go to Brazil, they help out. We go and deliver the food and, and so on. So that's something that I'll certainly be carrying on. And, and a lot of people at BMI are involved in it. And I was very honored that, that the PI chose uh, Sophia's charity the charity of the year. So that's something that, that I'm doing. In terms of, of BMI, I think it's always sort of been our mission and, and our objective that to make BMI the first choice, our events and our people, the first choice of our clients. And so that will absolutely continue to organize the best possible events we can. And with the help of THE, as I, as I said, we really see um, them being even better to create better quality events and a wider range of events in areas that we're not currently in, in terms of geographical, but also um, different types of events and 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 also um, helping them where we can. Um, so I think that the future is very bright. We're going to be, be growing uh, with their help. And uh, I think that uh, we're very, very excited with the deal and all the opportunities bring. And we really get on very well with the team at THE. And for us, that's very important. You know, when we hire people at BMI, yes, we want to have absolutely the best people. But if we feel that they don't, don't fit in with our team, then we won't hire them, even if they're if they from MIT or anything like that. So that's something that's important. And it was therefore very important for us that the fit, uh, not just as companies, but as people was very good. Well, Samir, first of all, we're sorry for your loss. Uh, that, that's got to be incredibly hard to lose a child like that. But at the same time, so inspired by the work that you're doing in your honor. Um, yeah. you know, more power to you. Good luck uh, and all of that. But, I mean, it's been an incredible journey for you. And it's been fun to watch you at the NAFSA parties or NAFSA conferences and hang out with you a couple of times here and there. Can I, can I yeah, just yeah, yeah. I, I have a question. Um Speaking of you, so you mentioned that BMI has come to be seen as a Brazilian company, and therefore that sort of prompted the Brazilian party at NAFSA, which is you know very well known as you as you know. When was the first Brazilian NAFSA Brazilian party, and did you expect it to become? as big of a thing as as it has like it's the stuff of legends almost now well um you're gonna laugh when i tell you this because first of all i absolutely didn't expect it to be anything like what it is today and it's 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 each year we're trying to make it bigger and better which is just absolutely impossible but <laughs> um when we first did it and again uh my friend uh, spencer who's the sales director here at nasa who was with me in my first job and when I started BMI, we were at a NAFSA conference in uh, Vancouver. We yeah. just decided to have a small gathering. We invited, I think it was 10 or 12 people, uh, mainly Australians, the crazy Australians that we found at NAFSA. And so, you know, we're going to have a few drinks in, in our, we had a corner suite in the Pan Pacific Hotel. It was like a, a room of about 
uh, smaller than most hotel rooms nowadays. It really is quite small. And we had we were sharing a room. We had two double beds. And we went and got a whole bunch of beer and put it in the bathtub in the bathroom. And we invited 12 people and 40 showed up. And uh, <laughs> at the end of the evening, uh, we had all these people in there. Most of them were on the bed and both threads collapsed and broke from the weight. Um, and uh, we uh, quietly left the hotel pretending nothing had happened. Um, and, and they didn't come after us, fortunately. Um, so the next year we we decided to do, um, I don't know, I think it was Salt Lake City. And we did something a bit bigger. And I think it was for about 100 people. And, you know, slowly we started to uh, have it bigger and bigger. And, you know, I think the the one in Washington, D.C., uh, we had, uh, as far as I remember, according to the venue capacity, 2,200 people, which was a fifth of NASA. Um, and um, the next one will be in Washington, D.C., and it will be at Echo Stage in, in May, which we've already booked, which uh, has been um, just voted by DJ Magazine as the number one nightclub in the world. They were number three or three years ago. Wow. So that's going to be right. quite, quite an event. It holds 3,000 people. But, you know, I think... And, and clearly, people... clearly, Jessica and I are getting VIP tickets. To this <laughs> <Come> on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, 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 it's just become, you know, it's, uh, when we were in, um, in, in Denver, we were trying to find a venue. We went to the convention center and spoke to the convention bureau people. And we said, sort of, oh, venue that big, uh, how about the ballpark? We're like, no, we're not going to ballpark, you know. So, I mean, we're really getting to the point where we can't really make it any bigger. And no. uh, not that we want to, but it's just like it's become its own beast, I think. And I think that the main success of the, of the Brazil party is is um, the fact that, you know, you can come there and you don't have to talk to us and you don't have to talk to anybody else. You're just coming there to have a good yeah, time, yeah. a bit of unwinding. It's not another boring reception not that every reception is boring but i go to a lot of receptions at nafsa you know you just go reception after reception and you just remember at the end of the day you just say oh, i went to these six and i went there and you don't remember who you spoke to so i think you know uh if everyone's at all different receptions in different places during nafsa then at the end of the day if they want to find someone they can find them at, at the brazil party and, and uh, certainly they don't have to talk to us and uh I don't think we're in much of a condition to talk to anyone by the time it begins. So um, <laughs> I think uh, um, so true. That's that's the, the beauty of the party is that it's just a, a place to unwind. I think a lot of an amazing amount of networking gets done there. I think uh, at the party, you know, obviously people are, are partying, but a lot of people meet people there that they they wouldn't necessarily meet if they hadn't booked an appointment. So it's great. You can certainly see the BMI people enjoy it just as much. Absolutely. I have made some incredible friends because I met him at the Brazil party over the years. So absolutely. Um, so as we wrap up here, so I mean, we always switch into this quick fire round of questions, something on a lighter note. And mine is going to be a little bit unique. You've been doing this for 35 years. You look like you're 35. <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the secret, man? I'm drinking a lot of Beer, wine, vodka, especially caipirinhas in Brazil. Um, that's, that's, that's certainly uh, a, a secret. I don't have any others. <laughs> certainly don't feel 35 years, I can tell you that. <laughs> My quick fire question for you is going back to football slash soccer. Who's your favorite team and why? 
Um, well, it's not just my favorite team. It's the only team. It's Liverpool. When I was going to university, uh, one of my best friends at the time went up to study at Liverpool. And then I used to to visit him when I was up there. And we just used to go to Liverpool games. And, you know, in the, in the early 80s, Liverpool were the team. They won every championship. They had amazing players, as they do today. And they are still the best team. And they will always be the best team. So, uh, but yeah, I have a tremendous... Love for Liverpool. I love the city as well. But my my big passion is football. My big holiday sort of every four years is the World Cup. Um, I went to the World Cup in the US in '94. Went to the one in France in '98. Um, didn't go to one in in Japan. Uh, 2006 in Germany. 2010 in South Africa. I went with my son, and 2014 with my daughter and my son, and in Brazil. And uh, in Brazil, we actually shut BMI for um, uh, the period of the World Cup because uh, many of the senior project managers were chosen by FIFA to run the stadiums, um, which meant that we got to um, go to all the games and we ran the VIP areas of the stadium in Salvador and in, wow. uh, in another city in Brazil. And awesome. uh, FIFA have a very, here's an interesting fact, they have a very strange um, way of counting VIPs. So they have a VIP area and they have a VVIP area. So the VIP area are the lowly presidents of Microsoft and Apple and all those unimportant people. And the VVIP area um, are um, the FIFA committee members. And uh, I was at the game where um, Joe Biden was there as vice president of the US and, and Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant tried to go from the VIP area to the VVIP area. And the security stopped him and a fight really broke out. No! So. So yeah, it's uh, quite and 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 the person responsible for the VIP area was was one of our staff members sort of controlling all this. So it's quite humorous and uh, yeah, so, that's brilliant. Uh, well, congrats on many friends. Congrats on the acquisition by the THE and more power to you with your charity and with everything mm-hmm. that you're doing. It's lovely to meet see you here, and hopefully, I didn't see you at EAIE. I was hoping to see you, but uh, at the, maybe the next conference. Of course, we'll be at NAFSA in force. Yeah. Um, I'm off. Uh, we, you know, we're yesterday the full season of our events kicked off in Monterey. This weekend is is Mexico, and I'm off to Colombia and on on uh, Monday. So we're we're pretty much away now, uh, most of the team until until mid November. But uh, uh, and look forward to seeing a lot of uh, our clients and friends on the road. And certainly, uh, um, it's good to see you, Jessica, last week, and hopefully see you somewhere yeah. soon if at, at latest at NAFSA, Girish. Next week on Destiny Vendors, we speak with Simone Wrench, who's a colleague of mine on the Pi Exec Search team, but who also founded the Business Women in Education Network. Join us. Mm-hmm.